Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. This is part two of the Shelly No Tech murder. Before I jump into it, I just want to thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. Do not forget to go check out Storytime Slayer on Facebook for pictures and videos to go along with this episode, as well as some really awesome giveaways I have planned this year. Keep checking that out. And let's just go ahead and jump right in. So this, as I mentioned, was part two of the Shelly Notech murder. We do know that Shelly and Dave have officially been beating and neglecting their children, as well as they just killed their house guest, Kathy, who was supposed to be Shelly's BFF and hairdresser. So after the death of Kathy, Shelly kept nagging and nagging at her husband that Shane, her nephew, had to go. Shane was just a teenage boy, and so Dave really didn't think that he would tell anybody about Kathy's death, and he really didn't want to kill him. So with Dave refusing to kill Shane in a roundabout way, Shelly just kept trying to nag and push him into doing it. Um, once she went as far as to accuse Shane of abusing their youngest daughter, Tori, and in response to that, Dave beat the shit out of Shane. But Shane had to have been like 17, 18 at this point, and he did not need this shit. It was um, a couple weeks before Nikki turned 20 that Shane disappeared, February 1995. And I don't think the girls could fathom that their mom and dad would kill Shane. I mean, they beat Shane. They humiliated him. They neglected him. One time they taped him up and rubbed Icy Hot on his genitals. But I don't think that their girls thought their parents had it in them to kill Shane because for one, he was like family. He was family. He was uh, Shelly's nephew. In fact, I think that they really bought that Shane ran away for a really long time. And they would have continued to if it wasn't for the fact that Shelly said Shane left her a birdhouse he'd made. And he also left a note made out to Shelly. And... Nikki said that there's no way Shane would have left her mom a note because Shane hated her mom. Now, for a while, Shelly said that she was getting phone calls where someone would just answer and then nobody would be on the line and then they would hang up really quick. And she insisted this had to be Shane. And so when Shelly's stepmom, Laura, would call to speak to Shane, Shelly didn't tell her immediately that Shane ran away. She just kept putting Laura off, saying, he's not here, you just missed him, he's asleep, he's away. And then finally, Laura pushed for why Shane could never get to the phone and Shelly gave her the pretend truth that Shelly came up with. Shelly said that Shane ran away to work on a fishing boat in Alaska, which is so preposterous to me. Years later, the truth would come out that Shane was um, a bit insistent about what happened to Kathy was wrong and that they needed to tell the police. He actually had pictures of Kathy, Polaroid pictures that either he'd taken or Shelly had taken and he found, which were could you could see the severe abuse and neglect that Kathy was going through and he wanted to take them to the police now Shelly insisted that Dave had to kill him when they found out about this picture fiasco and being the bitch Dave is he did he shot his nephew in the back of the head and burned his body so unfortunately for the girls who flew much more under the radar when Shelly had house guests, they were back to being Shelly's favorite 
torture and humiliation device. Nikki was especially victimized by Shelly. Um, Tori had pretty much been shielded and ignorant to all the abuse going on in the home. And probably because she was the baby and just too young to fully grasp what was going on. And as long as Shelly had other victims, she didn't need to take her anger out on Tori. Now, when Nikki and Samantha were old enough to band together and talk back, they were actually not allowed to speak to each other anymore in the house. Um, she would also look for ways to separate Nikki and Tori. The age gap helped a lot. Um, and Shelly would just tell Tori awful things about Nikki that she was an awful girl. She couldn't follow the rules and she would just find ways to keep them from talking by driving a wedge between them. And this just helped Shelly to maintain control. Plus Tori was really young. So she was still probably at the age where she believed everything her mom, Dan said. So, as I said before, Shelly really took the most suffering out on Nikki. When Nikki graduated high school and started junior college, Shelly blocked her from being able to be independent and move out. Um, Shelly took her clothes away. She left her only with the yard sweatpants that she wore. And then, just like that, she took her room, just like she had done to Kathy and Shane, and made her sleep on the floor. And I think that really scared Nikki because she knew something was brewing. Then, when Shelly took Nikki's car and her money and trapped her at home, she totally won. She had to drop out of college. And all she was allowed to do is basically uh, work sun up to sundown in the yard. Shelly essentially was treating Nikki like she did Kathy. She was being insulted every night by both her parents. She was having to sleep outside or on the floor. I mean, this is insane. Um, one day though, Nikki actually like bucked up at her mom and she told her not to fucking touch her. And then they got into this like physical altercation where Nikki actually fought back though. And Nikki told her to fuck off and she ran away and slept in the woods that night. And, um, after that, Shelly decided to send Nikki to live with her aunt for a little while. And Nikki was so relieved. It only lasted a few months, though, before Shelly forced Nikki to come home. Um, but Nikki didn't actually get to go home home. Nikki had to go live with her stepdad on the road, which had to have been so awkward. So Dave would send his entire paycheck home to Shelly. And in return, he would have to often sleep in like his truck, a tent, a very sleazy motel. Um, he was basically like a transient. So Nikki was a transient with him. I don't know why Nikki listened. She was an adult, but this probably just shows you the amount of control that Shelly really had over her family psychologically. Um, and just like Nikki got to take a break from the family after she graduated, Samantha did too. She went and stayed with her grandma, Laura, for the summer of 1997. Um, Shelly had basically done everything she could to quit Samantha from going to college. And so Samantha was like, I'm out of here. And it did work. She did um, fudge up when her letters were due. So she didn't get any acceptance letters. But in the long story short, Samantha basically threatened Shelly that if she didn't get her college shit figured out, basically she was going to tell about everything that had happened. And just like that, Samantha got to go home only on the weekend. She started college and lived at the dorms and this way she could go live her life and get her degree. So she didn't have to be dependent on her parents and she could also keep an eye on Tori. Shelly tried to keep 
way too tight of a grip on her children well into adulthood. She would sometimes have Dave even threaten and intimidate Nikki because Nikki wouldn't come home. Um, once Nikki stayed with her aunt and then she moved out on her own, they would call her work and they would launch false complaints to get her fired. Her dad one time threw a brick through her workplace. Um, Nikki at one point was afraid they were going to kidnap her. Okay. She was terrified. And I want to do a little side note about Dave. So I think Dave was a drug addict. In the book I read, it mentions that he would crack ammonia packets to stay awake, which is like bath salts. And um, that's definitely drugs. So I hate Dave. Fuck Dave. I think that's why he was so irrational when he thought. And so with Sammy gone and Nikki moved out, though, the sad thing that happened that Dave never thought would happen, and um, he claims he never knew happened, was Shelly had nobody to torment but little Tori. And she did just that. The exact same tactics, insults, outdoor hose baths, being woken up in the middle of the night, beatings, trash in her bed, dirty clothes at school, and endless chores. And I think Tori was really confused, which is so sad to me. Also, around this time, not only was she inflicting abuse onto Tori, but now Dave was sleeping on the living room floor. And anybody sleeping on the living room floor in this house, I figured out, is really in a bad place. But all that changed when Shelly met Ron. Now, I know what you're thinking. Ron is not a new boyfriend of Shelly's. Um, Ron was a flamboyant, kind, funny, gay man. And he was doing fine when Shelly first met him. And then his life literally snowballed out of control. He hit rock bottom. Which is ugh, such unfortunate timing because Shelly thrives off of people hitting rock bottom. In short, Ron lost his job, his relationship, and his home was going to foreclosure. He had a bazillion cats that he had to move into his mom's house with, and that caused a shit ton of family drama because Ron's cats did a bunch of shit to his mom's house, and then he had to get rid of his cats, and yada, yada, yada. Shelly ended up taking Ron in. Poor Ron. So now we have victim number three. Apparently, it was like 1996 when Ron's father died, and something about Ron changed when that happened. Um, that was the root of his downward spiral. Ron was in his mid-50s, and I think he just felt totally defeated when he crossed paths with Shelly. It was 1999 when he moved into her home, and it's so funny that Dave even fucking... It's not funny, but I can't believe Dave let somebody move into their house after everything Shelly had done. He, though, seemed really relieved to have someone there to distract Shelly so that she would leave him the hell alone. At first, Shelly and Ron had a really great relationship. Ron was extremely doting to Shelly, and he would always end things with, Shelly, dear. Yes, Shelly, dear. Oh, I got that, Shelly, dear. I'm coming, Shelly, dear. And they had a very lovey-dovey relationship where she kind of coddled him. And this went on weeks until Shelly began to show what she was really like. She first became a little bit passive aggressive with Ron. And then she would accuse him of like eye rolling, being facetious, being ungrateful, things like that. And then came the name calling. She said very hurtful things and most especially would say things about him being gay, calling him a useless fag, and that she didn't want him around because of that, and just really nasty stuff. So just like with Samantha and Nikki, 
Tori got much less of Shelly's abuse when Shelly had a tenant around. So with Ron around, it was a lot easier for Tori. So I do want to say that I am totally baffled at how oddly routine Shelly's cycle of abuse is. Like a few hurls of an object or an insult, then come the drugs that she makes them take, and then she strips them of like their personal identity, their clothing, jewelry, books, art, etc. Then their basic human comforts, like a bed, blankets, um, a pillow, and then a room at all. And then before you know it, your shower privileges are stripped, you bathe with bleach and a water hose you're deprived of food and using the restroom and likely because of the pills Ron complied and never argued maybe he didn't even realize what he was complying to what's the worst part about all this is the fact that she drugged her victims so they literally didn't even stand a chance and she also made Ron do a shit ton of yard work without shoes on which is so cruel to me and being in the sun all day or just outside working malnourished drugged up and beaten that probably pays a really big part in keeping um you way too exhausted to even think straight so i'm sure he became it like a damn zombie so fast forward in ron's stay shelly at some point i'm not sure when she got a job and what's really ironic is that she was a caseworker Um, By the way, she sucked. Her coworkers often complained and shared their dismay that she even had a job anymore. And Nikki would ask Sam about her mom having a new tenant. And Sam always said that it seemed like mom was really good to Tori and that mom was getting along good with Ron and that they didn't have anything to worry about. It was not a Kathy 2.0. But sometime in the summer of 2001, Nikki just became so uneasy with her mom having another tenant that she could not keep her secret about what her parents did to poor Kathy to herself anymore. And she actually caved and told her grandma, Laura, who insisted that they went to the police. And after Laura phoned the police, the police said that they could just fax in a statement of everything that Nikki said happened. So next, the police tried to get a hold of Samantha just to kind of like verify everything that Nikki told them. And Samantha just wasn't interested. She just wasn't at that point in her life where she wanted to deal with that stuff right then. So she ignored them. And because of that, nothing ever came out of these accusations, which is so sad because um, somebody could have saved Ron if somebody would have done their damn job. It really confused Nikki, but she just pushed it off in the meantime. By this time, Ron had been forced to stay outside from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. in his underwear with no shoes, doing chores. Remember, Shelly had like horses and chickens and shit like that that needed tended to. Tori and Ron, being the only other people in the house, were not allowed to speak to each other anymore. Close to the end of Ron's stay, yard work and elements were like really tearing his hands and feet up. In the book, If You Tell It, describes a scene that Tori actually witnessed where Ron had fallen off the roof while he was cleaning the gutters. And he was in extremely poor health from Shelly's abuse. Well, Dave was there and he made Ron climb right back up onto the roof and jump off again. Like that's insane. So without going into too much more detail about Ron's feet, um, I do want to say that they got super, super messed up. Like he could not walk and Shelly had the cruelest cleaning methods, like really, really, really hot water, bleach or bleach water. I mean, she only had to do this because she had extreme jumping punishments. So between like 
him having to jump up and down on gravel and concrete with really sore busted open feet he's also doing yard work and has no shoes ever they said that he really stunk like rotting flesh or possibly an infection because of how bad his feet were at the end of his life so it's july 2003 and ron had been with the family since like 1999 so that's four years and it had been two years since nikki faxed the murder of kathy to the police and they did nothing about it so it was july 22nd 2003 when shelly called dave to come home and she was kind of panicked because ron had actually died like she did it again she did it again she got another adult drugged him up beat him deprived him of his humanity and then killed him however there was a burn ban this time and so dave had to actually bury ron knowing dave wasn't just like around the corner and couldn't come home until actually the end of the week shelly on her own drug ron to the barn changed his clothing placed him in his sleeping bags and actually put him really deep down in the deep freezer and rearranged all the food on top of him just until Dave got back there and could give him a high temp burial. The burn ban was there. So Dave actually had to just do a temporary burial. Of course, they didn't tell little Tori that he was dead. He was just really sick and needed rest. And if anyone asked, he went to go live in Tacoma. Like that was going to be their story. Tori didn't understand that Ron was dead, um, though she just thought he went somewhere till he got better. That's what her parents told her, but she began to go really suspicious after she didn't see him for a long time. Not long after he died, Samantha and Tori actually had like a little girls' night slumber party where Tori eventually told Samantha what all had been going on in their home. And that Tori was being beat just like they were. And Samantha was both shocked and she had the cognitive thought to ask about Ron. And that's when Tori disclosed that she thinks that her parents may have actually killed Ron um, because he disappeared and Shelly's excuses all were not adding up. So it was August 6, 2003 that Sam and Nikki decided, you know what, this is too much. Like we got to get our sister out of there we have to stop our mom from hurting more innocent people. And they decided to go to the sheriff's department in person this time and tell them everything that had been going on with Shelly and Dave Notek. Tori knew that her sisters were going to go to the police, but she still had to go home and play it cool. And she was so anxious. Like she just anxiously waited all night and all morning for them to come and get arrested. Tori was only 14 and it was the next morning on August 7th when police came and seized Tori into the state's custody for an investigation. And that's literally all they would tell Shelly. Um, Shelly didn't know what was going on. She didn't know what was up and what was down. But the next day, Dave went to the police so that he could try and sort things out and figure out what was going on. And um, police asked if he'd consent to an interview to which he complies with. But his stories immediately begin to crumble and he breaks down crying and tells them that where Ron's body's buried and exactly what he did with Kathy's body and he in no way was trying to implicate Shelly. Although Shelly doesn't know why she's being arrested, she just shut her mouth. 
So at this point, he's the only one speaking and he's not even really saying anything valid. It wasn't until Dave and Shelly's arrest and Dave's confession that the girls would know their dad actually did kill their cousin Shane. Dave claimed Shane was playing with a rifle and he walked in and wrestled it away from him and then it slipped and he accidentally shot Shane. But the truth is that Shelly nagged and nagged and nagged Dave about Shane until Dave had no choice, he says, but to just kill him. Um, so after Shelly was just rattling on and on and on about it, he walked out to the shed with his twenty-two, flipped the light on, and then just shot Shane right in the fucking head. Tori ended up going to live with Samantha after her dad confessed and her parents were arrested. Samantha was 25 at the time. Um, Samantha was really complicated. Like Shelly sent her lists when she first went to prison of things that she wanted. And Samantha always sent it to her. No problem, which was really odd to me. Dave's kids did say that if he helped Shelly at all, by withholding his testimony or anything that they would never speak to him again. So he did not. He got his first degree charge dropped to a second degree murder and pled guilty to unlawful disposal to human remains and rendering criminal assistance. And rather than use spousal privilege not to testify, Dave actually testified and basically verified that what the children to be saying was in fact the truth. They were cruel people and Shelley was a dictator and leader. Now, Dave only got 15 years for his crimes. Shelly's case was a little harder to nail because unlike Dave, Shelly did not admit to doing anything wrong. And so they could not prove how Ron died, who injured him. But despite all that, 10 months into Shelly's arrest, she actually took what's called an Alfred plea. And that's basically saying, fine, you say I did it. I'll take it and just roll with it, whatever. I just want to move on with my life. It's not the same thing as admitting guilt. You don't have to admit guilt. You don't even have to outline what really happened, which really frustrates me. Because you usually get a significantly shorter sentence. Uh, Shelly was only given 17 years. Shelly said that her unruly children that abused and killed Kathy and it wasn't her, but she felt responsible for her children and therefore she would take the guilt. What a lying ass bitch. How's she going to say that it was her children that killed Kathy? The judge tacked a few years onto her sentencing, making it actually 22 years. She, Alfred, pled to the second degree murder of Kathy and manslaughter relating to Ron, and she is actually scheduled for release next year. Wow. Tell me that lady is not so effed up. Ugh. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. This was my first two-part episode. Let me know what you guys thought about it, and I hope you have a great day. Bye.